So we're going through a series called The Encounters with Jesus and um, Meredith is so talented she's going to combine uh, communion talk with her um, encounter talk. So that's how talented she is. Thank you, Meredith. Yes, uh, thank you, Carl, for that. I uh, receive a message from our wonderful pastor asking... Um, if uh, our family would like to share in this this, this space, and um, so I quickly text back saying, oh, "I'll begin praying and fasting," <laughs> and he said, "Pray fast." So I figured, "Oh, okay, I can do that." Um, I talk fast, so praying fast isn't hard. Anywho, I just want to just say thank you for the family of God. Family of God is where we do encounter God. We encounter Him through each other's relationship with God. God is in you. And so when we're here together in this space, of course, we're here to, to share in those encounters and to give of our, our encounters of God to encourage and build up the church, to share his love, his courage, his, his strength that he has gifted to us in our day-to-day lives as we go about this journey of, of living here amongst those who are not saved yet, but amongst those who are seeking to know the truth, hope that we carry, that, that is God within us. And in my journey of faith, I often thought you could only really encounter God when you were in spaces where God was talked of and and prayed and, and sought. In the church space, I guess, um, mostly was where I was taught that encounter space could happen. But the fact is, our God is a big God. He's actually huge. He's massive, as massive as that salad we've been asked to bring. I was trying to think, massive salad. Wow, that's that's going to be an exciting time. How massive. So the competition's on. <laughs> but our God is a big God. He's a God who is in all things. And I was reflecting on the many times I've had an encounter with God down the beach. Um, just as I'm sitting down to breakfast this morning, we have a little bird that has made herself comfortable in our space. She comes inside and takes whatever she can and, and leaves again. Um, honestly, she comes up to our plates. She sits on the table and she helps herself to my son's cereal. As he's, <laughs> um, but she's just made herself just comfortable in our space. And I wonder how comfortable we are when God shows up like that. How, how, how just in the space of our day-to-day lives, God is ready to be found in all things because he is there in all things. He's there in your workplace conversations, in the spaces where we connect to each other as humans, in the music we listen to. You know, I'm, I'm challenged many times when I hear a phrase in a lyric or a poem this week I read by Robert Frost, and I, and I hear God because I want to. Because he's my Lord, he's my Savior, he's my God, and he wants to connect to me, not just on Sunday for a couple of hours, actually all day, every day. He's our creator, and he loves it when we connect to him. So encountering God for me has been in a meeting, not often at a council one, (laughs) no. Uh, God is there, praise God. There's times when I've called upon him and he has said, I'm here, be still, know that I'm God. And he shows up. He shows up in a thought. He shows up in a sentence, in a a moment when you least probably expected it. But if you think about it, that encounter with God was there. If we allow ourselves to truly, truly, truly say, my God is found in everyday situations, he will be there. You will encounter him because he wants you to, because he's got more for you. And I've learned that. 
Um, as my husband, my darling angel, <laughs> hands out uh, with my wonderful daughter who's returned from university and has just blessed us with her amazing talents, hand out the emblems. I just want to read a couple of scriptures just that, again, reminded me that our God is with us always. Psalm 139, 7-10 says, Where shall I go from your spirit? Or where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. There is no escaping this God. He is relentless in his, his chase on you and on those who don't yet know that it's God. And our job is, our mahi, our, our lives to live out as Christians, is to gently remind people that's God. God is not hiding from you. He is in everything that you do. I know for sure this week there's been a heap of prayers going up to heaven for the exams, to those young'uns who have sat exams this week. I hear, I, I prayed with my daughter and I said to her, just, you've got to do your best. But God is there with our young people as they sit these, these exams that we all reflect back and think, oh, why did it? <laughs> that was so scary, that big clock staring you down in the hall, <laughs> telling you time is ticking. Do I know this stuff? But God was there. And I believe he was there for my daughter as she shared with us how peaceful she felt. She felt good. She felt at rest in the knowledge she did her best. God was there with her in an exam. <laughs> God is there when we, um, when we decide that he is already at work wherever we go to. He's at work in the lives of people around us. He is not hiding. He is to be found. And the, last, uh, the other scripture I want to share with you, Carl inspired me with it. Um, in Matthew 28, uh, verse 20, teaching them to observe all things, whatever I have commanded you, and see, I am with you always, even to the end of the world. So he's not going anywhere. He is forever. He is a God of eternity. And I'm so grateful that I met that God at the tender age of eight. He saved me. My encounter with God was that of a savior. He saved me from making a poor choice at the time I thought was the only way out. He showed up. And my encounter with him as I've grown in my faith has been to encounter him through all things in everyday life, to know that he is with me, guiding me, caring for me, loving me, chastising me, because he's God and he's our father. And he knows there are times when we need to be a gentle reminder that's possibly not a good thing to check out <laughs> or look into. He's God. He wants the best for me. So as we go about our day and, and as we reflect through this time of communion, I just want you to know, and Elise, as you take this next step of your faith journey, I was 18 when I, uh, the 20th of December, 19, <laughs> I'm trying to remember because my maths is terrible, but I was 18, okay, it was a while ago. Um, I, I took that step and I, and I was baptized. And as that beautiful sharing we had um, about the old being left behind and the new, that's an encounter daily we can have with our God. Every day is a new start, a new day, a new beginning to, to find out more about this gloriousness that is our God. He loves us and he, he's dedicated to, to 
to following us, to encountering, <laughs> encountering us as we move about this place. Um, so I just, as we reflect um, with communion today, I just want you to know that God is in all things. He's at work in all things at all times, and he'll be with you till the end of the age. So I'll just pray and then take some time to, to, to ask God for a new encounter. <laughs> ask God to remind you that he is there for you in all things. Lord God, we thank you. We thank you again for your word that tells us that you are with us. You are with us to the end of the age. You're an eternal God. And Lord, your, your love for us is just so massive. And it's, it's a love that we cannot escape. You are our creator. You are our God. And so we just ask God today as we, as we take these emblems representing the blood poured out by Jesus on the cross, representing his body broken for us because of your love. We ask that you would just bless these emblems today, bless them to us, bless them as we partake as a whānau church, and, and as, we, as we journey further into this notion of the encounters of you in our lives through as Carl shares, we ask God that you would just speak to our hearts, speak to us today fresh, Lord, and show us yourself anew. We ask this, God, in your precious and mighty name. So today's message is called Barrenness to Boom. Barrenness to Boom. We're going to look at a story. Of, uh, of an encounter with Jesus. And it's, it's kind of a strange one because the encounter, it's a little bit like in the, where the centurion meets Jesus but doesn't actually even meet him. Um, but, but Jesus meets him, if you know what I mean. But you don't, so anyway. So it's the encounter of the prophet John with Jesus the very first time. And it's in Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1, we'll do a little bit, 5 to 13, then 36 to 45. And Lord, we ask as we look at your word, you'd you'd speak to us through your word today. Amen. Verse 5, Luke chapter 1. In the days of Herod, in the days of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah of the division of Abijah. He had a wife. Of daughters, she is one of the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. And they were both righteous before God, walking in all the commandments and ordinances of the Lord blamelessly. But they had no child because Elizabeth was barren, and both were advanced in years. So, no children, Kahoriarawa uh, Tamariki, no children. She was barren, barren. No children. Verse 8. Now, while he was serving as a priest before God, when his division, and there were 24 groups, the way they organized the roster was that there were 24 groups in the roster serving in the temple. And uh, his group was on, his division was on duty. Verse 9. According to the custom of the priesthood, it fell to him by lot to enter the temple of the Lord and burn incense. Verse 10. And the whole multitude of the people were praying outside at the hour of incense. That's what they did. Verse 11. And there appeared to him an angel of the Lord, 
standing on the right side of the altar of incense. 12. And Zechariah was troubled when he saw him, and fear fell upon him. Now the angel said to him, Don't be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer is heard, and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John. And so in the preparation to this encounter, there's all these strange and wonderful things that are going on. It's, it's kind of weird. And after all this nothingness, this barrenness, all of a sudden, God turns up. Very old woman, very old man, good people, righteous, not perfect. You know, jars of clay, dirt, that's what we're made out of. But good people wanted to do the right thing, righteous, godly people. God not turning up though, not answering their prayers. Zechariah was praying. Elizabeth was praying. But God hadn't turned up yet. And they're praying, no doubt, both personal prayers and community prayers. They wanted a child. They wanted children, particularly in that time and place. That's, that's what they wanted was children. But God wasn't turning up. And they were praying for the long-awaited Messiah, for the community. The Messiah hadn't come yet to get the nation out of the oppressive mess that they were in. So Zechariah and Elizabeth praying, personal prayers, community prayers, both. You know what? And both are okay. It's all right to pray prayers for yourself, to pray prayers for your family, pray prayers for your accommodation, employment, whatever. It's all right. And praying prayers for the community as well, community of faith out there, that as well. And God enjoys blessing you, and he enjoys blessing others through you, both. So there was barrenness, and then boom, some very weird spiritual things happen after a long time, when nothing seemed to be happening. And they were good people, Zechariah, Elizabeth. Not perfect, but devout, God followers. And sometimes, even for good people, good things don't happen straight away. Got that? Sometimes, for even good people, good things don't happen straight away. There is a period of barrenness, of desert, of nothingness that happens. Sometimes. It's not always easy, but it happens sometimes. And there was a long, long, long barrenness for Elizabeth and Zechariah. Barrenness. Like Sarah, the eventual mother of Isaac. Genesis chapter 18. And there was barrenness for Rachel, the eventual mother of Joseph in Genesis 30. And there was barrenness for Hannah, the eventual mother of Samuel. And like Moses wandering around the desert 40 years, leading the called out people of God that sometimes acted like the people of God and sometimes they didn't. It's like praying for a spouse and it hasn't 
come along yet or praying for your spouse and God hasn't changed them yet or praying for children and they haven't come yet or praying for children and they haven't changed yet. Like witnessing and they haven't chosen for the Lord yet. Barrenness, nothingness, dirt, deserts. Like serving on the priestly roster year after year and it feels like a chore and it probably is and it hasn't happened yet. What you wanted God to do, he hasn't done yet. Like waiting for the promised Messiah and he hasn't come yet. The rescuer for the people, barrenness, deserts. Like many great leaders and many great ministries, barrenness, deserts. Even though we're doing our best, we're not perfect, we're jars of clay, but it hasn't, just hasn't happened yet. We lived in sub-Sahel for seven years. People said, man, that must have been really interesting. And occasionally it was, but mostly it wasn't. Mostly it was boring. Deserts are boring. Every 10 meters is a thorny bush and not much else. Deserts are actually not very interesting places. You know, Zechariah, he had a time of wobbly faith, a jar of clay with treasure within, as Paul calls it, second letter of Corinthians. Jars, jars of clay. Jars dad's a second-hand dealer. And he uh, got some interesting stories. One, he got a call. A uh, person died. The only, only living relative was in Australia. Came over, said to Shah's dad, I want you to clear out the whole house. Everything has to go. You can buy it, but you have to take everything. And he says, there'll be, uh, there'll be one of true treasures here. <laughs> sure enough, he came across these uh, vase, and there's tissue inside the vase, and pulled out the tissue. There were three diamond rings in the vase. And there was barrenness for Elizabeth. And then, boom, boom. Don't resent the barren times. Don't resent the desert times. God uses them to test and refine us in times of dryness and barrenness. You know, adversity often makes us more like Jesus and prosperity. And and times of adversity often will precede prosperity. Uh, I remember at a a conference I was at 2011. I was in a room with probably 200 people and a prophetic guy was there and he was just having different words for people. And he looked at me and he says, "Um, there's something different for you. He says, do not assume that the failures that you have... um, experienced in life is what God has for your future because it's going to be different now. There was a... There was a... a, There is a great church in Mount Monganui called Curate, but it wasn't always great. In fact, it was terrible. Um, The pastor had left in the clouds. They had debt. People were exiting every single week exiting the church and new leaders came and people 
were so hurt and wounded that people still were exiting. They just wanted to get out. The wife said she, she learned people would ring her up wanting to have a coffee. And she learned to order a takeaway coffee because there's going to be a short conversation. There's going to be, uh, actually, we decided to leave church too. So she would order takeaway coffees and listen to them saying that they're about to leave church. And then they hit rock bottom, about 50 people. And then God started to turn things around. And God was using that time of barrenness and desert to ask, are you actually still on board with me? Are you still with me? Even when it's barren, when it's desert, are you still with me? That's what God does in the desert. Are you still on board with me? And Zechariah had an angelic visitation when he was told how Elizabeth will have a son, should be called John. And Zechariah says, you've got to be kidding. Have you seen us? Have you seen how old we are? Have you seen, do you understand the biology of this? It's not going to happen. And the angel said, well, you're not going to be able to speak for a while. In fact, Zechariah is put into his own time of desert, own time of, of nothingness. He couldn't even speak. Jars of clay with treasure within. And then, boom, Elizabeth conceives a boy called John, which means the Lord is gracious. The Lord is gracious. Not always fast, but full of grace. In those days, Mary set out, went with haste, uh, this is this, 39. Those days Mary set out and went with haste to a Judean town in the hill country, about 80, 100 kilometers away from Nazareth. 40. Where she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the child leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit and exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why has this happened to me, that the mother of my Lord comes to me? And as soon as I heard the sound of your greeting, the child in my womb leaped for joy. Forty-five, and blessed is she who believed that what would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her by the Lord. Woo! Lots of excitement. My favorite Bible version in the whole wide world is uh, the Jesus Storybook Bible. And the subtext on the cover says, every story whispers his name. And the title of, the, of Jesus coming says, uh, it says, he's here, he's here, he's here. One time um, we are South Taranaki and we popped in to see a, uh, uh, uncle of Charlene's unannounced. I think it was Partia. And um, they didn't know we were coming. And um, it was like our house. And the kitchen was there in the dining room. And he saw us coming down the driveway. And he jumped up and clapped that his niece was coming to visit. Unannounced. And this is, what, this is it here. This is a boom. He's here. Jesus is here. 
And John, not even in the world, in the flesh yet, but John is so excited in the womb of Elizabeth, he jumps for joy. 42, in a loud voice, Elizabeth exclaims, Blessed! 43, why am I so favored? Why me? This is an amazing thing happened to me. The baby, 44, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Blessed is she who has believed. Amen. Amen. Uh, Steve Apirana, who's come here a couple of times, when he came to the Lord, he said, he was walking outside and he goes, Ooh. he said, who put that tree there? And his friend said, bro, it's always been there. But with this, this encounter with Jesus, all of a sudden there's like a, a newness, a freshness, there's new eyes. There's excitement. I just want to say this. Whatever you do this Christmas, whatever you do this Christmas, don't be a sad sack. Don't, don't be a sad sack because he's here. Jesus has arrived. It's a boom. It's a boom. And, and, and don't despise the barren time. You know, God helps form us in the desert times, in the barrenness. But don't forget the boom. Don't be a sad sack at Christmas. He is here. Amen? He's here. Let's pray. Thank you, God. Thank you for the boom. And we even thank you for the barrenness, even though it's not easy. It's not easy when we're in the midst of it. And it's, it's like it's never going to end sometimes. But we know that you are always with us, even in the barrenness, even in the desert. And we celebrate, we come up to this time, help us to really celebrate your appearance with us in the flesh. We thank you for that. Amen. Amen. Uh, people, I don't know if that's you, if you're... You'd like prayer about the boom or the barrenness, you're going through that. Um, people here would love to pray for you, and if they come up now, it would be good.